Mr. Joe Peggs. Joe, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Andy, what's happening? We are personal friends, and uh, without you, I wouldn't be on that great station and other stations, so I appreciate your support throughout the years. How you doing? You sound good. I know that you're expanding your, your reach as well. We are expanding the reach, radio and TV, so we're we're growing like you. I'm trying to imitate the Joe Pags here, so I'm doing what I can. <laughs> I, don't, don't hurt yourself. It's not really worth imitating, but I appreciate you trying. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it's always good, and yeah, I mean, I know everybody loves you. I know you're growing like a weed as well, so congrats on that one. But you've been in, in Texas. This whole last couple of weeks has been nuts. I wanted to really get you on after the cold stint, and you've been talking on your show about the, the power outages you guys had. We had the intermittent blackouts from the energy company that just said yeah we're just going to cut off your energy for the for an hour or two but you guys just couldn't get any energy what the heck was going on down there you guys all right well what we found what we are okay but what we found out was we are so reliant on somebody else for the essentials you know back in the day 100 years ago people would laugh at us it got a little bit cold out and then everything that we relied on went away we had no power couldn't flush the toilet we had our food was starting to spoil in, in the refrigerator in fact we put some of it outside to keep it cool um, it, it got down to three degrees in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and, and you guys, you know, we, you'll, you'll see that intermittently. But here in Texas, we don't usually expect that. But in the oil rich and the energy rich state of Texas, we never saw this coming, to be honest with you. And uh, you know this, uh, the, the power went out in my studio several days in a row. And I had to do the show from the cell phone yeah. a couple of days. I'm just sitting in the dark on my cell phone with a program that sounded really good for broadcast. But uh, we, we kept the show on the road and we kept it up and running. But, yeah, we're okay, but a lot of people aren't. You know, dozens of people died in Texas, and I can't figure out why. You're allowed to do rolling brownouts and rolling blackouts whenever you feel like it, and you can just arbitrarily <laughs> say Andy's going to get some power, Joe isn't. I found that, Look, that's scary to me, Andy. It just is. The idea that we're so reliant on somebody else makes me crazy. And immediately, and I think a lot of Americans are thinking about this, too, in light of what happened in Texas, of all places. Uh, immediately, I started thinking, how can we make sure that never happens again? I'm looking at generators, like whole house generators. I'm looking at, you know, food storage. I'm looking at all sorts of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was scary. We are okay. Thanks for asking. But a lot of people aren't. It really took the whole conspiracy theorist and doomsday prepper to another level, right? I mean, they were the ones that's been doing the the generators. They're the ones that have been stocking the food down in the basement for a long time. And then we always look at them as like, oh, they're crazy. But, you know, this is the time when it starts to happen. It's not just the zombie apocalypse when we're prepared for the end of times. But when the power goes out, you're right. Why are we so dependent on this garbage? I mean, now natural gas, they're saying that we could see bills of $2,500 for your gas bill because... Yeah. That we didn't have any more, and everybody was using it. So therefore, the price, of the supply and demand, boom! It went from three dollars a square uh, per square foot to six hundred dollars per cubic foot of natural gas. It's ridiculous. Well, it is ridiculous. And Texas makes more natural gas than any other state in the union. Uh, the idea that you've got to raise the price of natural gas through the roof is is an idea that's just fictitious. I think, and here we go. Here comes the conspiracy. I think you've got the far left in this country now trying to push the Green New Deal when, in essence, parts of the Green New Deal failed in Texas. And I'll be very direct. We have the actual numbers. Wind power was supposed to be 23 to 20 to 25 percent of our energy that week that, that we saw it happen. 60% um, of the output expected didn't work. We only got 40% of the output that we were expecting from, from wind. We, we expected no output from solar because it's wintertime. And in the wintertime, there's not a whole lot of sun, and the, and the days are shorter. Um, we did have uh, some, some issues with gas freezing, which is nuts. How does that happen? Nuclear power had a switch that froze. How does that happen? But we had frozen solid wind turbines that didn't, not only didn't they help, we're talking about a $19 billion tax abatement 
to get these things, this green stuff, into our state, and they simply didn't work. Now, the national media is pretending that wind wasn't a big deal. This is a you know an energy-rich state of Texas. Why are they complaining about wind? The facts are the facts. We expected so much out of wind energy that just didn't work. Ten years <laughs> ago, we had rolling blackouts and brownouts, but we didn't have this, this deep freeze where a bunch of people died because we weren't so reliant on their so-called renewables. We are now. And again, just for the PAGS family, for sure, and the PAGS studio, for sure, we're to look at some generation, take care of it ourselves, and stop relying so much on somebody else. We really have to do that. I mean, now we're seeing from the Biden administration, you would think after something like this, we would say, hey, maybe the alternative energies, the solar panels, wind power, not the best thing to do for crises like this. Maybe we should have a little bit of a diversity in the energy yeah. market with some more nuclear. I mean, Ohio has new, what, four to five nuclear plants. They didn't go out of power. We didn't have any issues there. Why can't we start looking at this? But I don't see that coming out of the Democrat-run Congress in, in the Biden administration. Well, it's not going to happen because uh, they, they're pretending like even more wind and even more solar somehow would have helped us out. It is a diverse energy grid in Texas now. It's very diverse, too diverse. You've got three coal-fired plants that, that were basically clean coal that are sitting dormant. They were shut down over the past decade. Why? Why didn't we have those ramped up? Why didn't we turn those on immediately? And there's another angle of this, Andy, where the Department of Energy was requested by Greg Abbott, our governor here in Texas, and by ERCOT, an organization I never heard of before this whole thing happened, um, to turn up the energy to keep people in warmth, to stop people from having these, the issues that they were having. Department of Energy said, yes, you can turn it up only enough to keep the grid reliable. They did not say you could turn it up as much as you need to turn it up to keep people warm and to keep people safe. That's a major problem. I truly believe the Department of Energy, and I've got the former DOE um, Secretary Dan Bruyette on today. I truly believe the Department of Energy under, under Trump would have said, turn it up as much as you need. Don't worry about it. We'll worry about emissions later. Right. Well, that's what we need to do. I mean, that would have been the commonsensical thing to do, but of course not. Now we see them instead saying, well, we don't need to be energy independent. We need to start invading Syria. We need to start apparently some more wars over in the Middle East and start taking their oil again. I mean, I don't know what that's going to do to the energy market outside of, well, let's just go back to the same old, same old that I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be okay with. Well, I think that Joe Biden is so frail of, of brain and of body that you needed a war to sort of wag the dog. I mean, here's a guy that, what, three or four years ago, he and Jen Psaki, his circle back, you know, press secretary, both tweeted out, and these tweets did not age well about how Trump should not be bombing Syria. Trump should not be this, that, and the other. This is a horrible thing to do. Why are you doing this? What, what, what the hell's going on? And almost immediately, Biden or somebody running that show, the, the puppet masters, started bombing Syria so that we don't talk about how there was a quarter of an inch of snow in Washington so Joe Biden didn't get on Air Force One and go to Michigan to go check out the vaccine plant. Uh, or that Joe Biden just now today a week and a half later, showed up in Texas to show his support, and it's him and the governor and a couple of other people standing there socially distancing. I don't see him out there talking to the people. So you, you've got a problem in Washington that they've got to keep covered somehow. The way they cover it is say, hey, you have to have green energy in Texas. Hey, we have to start bombing Syria. Hey, we have to start uh, um, complaining about, about how horrible it was to have no vaccinations ready when Trump left office, which, of course, wasn't true. You had 50 million plus. You have to say things like blacks and Hispanics don't know how to go on the Internet uh, to Anderson Cooper, who gives you a full pass. I mean, we're in such a bizarre place a month after this guy took office that it really does boggle my mind. Well, come on, Joe. I mean, he stayed in his basement for the three days during the whole cold spell. But by golly, we got to focus on Ted Cruz going to Cancun, right? 
It's it's crazy. Listen, <laughs> I came at Ted Cruz as a friend. I like the guy. I'm on all the time, as you know, but he should not have gone to Cancun. I said that immediately on the air. But you know what? He went to Cancun, came right back. He thought better of it. And, and he said it was a mistake. You know, who never said it was a mistake. Nancy Pelosi, when she got her hair did or Lori Lightfoot, when she got her hair did or when uh, Gavin Newsom went and ate at an indoor restaurant. But he opened the door and said it was an outdoor restaurant or the board member in uh, in L.A. County who said, let's let's close all the restaurants and then went to one that she's closing that night. So, you know, the left never apologizes. The left never says, hey, we got it wrong. Cruz did something dumb. He apologized for it. He said it was a mistake. And then he got back on the horse and started riding. Uh, it, but, but you're right. That's been the focus of the left. And let me just go back to the, to the energy for a second because I, I lived it. Um, you see the late night talk show host just lying about this. You see Chris Hayes on MSNBC lying about this, about how much wind was really involved and that the Green New Deal didn't come to Texas and that Texas is only deregulated because uh, they're all profiteering in it. It's about capitalism. <laughs> That's BS. That's bacon sandwich. Um, in, in fact, the, the grid is independent and it's deregulated, so there's more competition. When there's more competition, we pay a lot less for energy than everybody else does in the country. Not now, because we, we ran out of energy. But generally speaking, that's why you deregulate. They're actually making the case for more government regulations and control because of what happened in Texas. You know why? Because you never let a serious crisis go to waste. Well, of course not. And then you see someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This is a garbage disposal. Yeah, someone like that who's now saying that the reason for the energy cutoff in Texas was because they don't have the Green New Deal. I mean, come on. What the heck? Well, she's an idiot. Uh, and, and again, I say that in the nicest possible way. The technical term, the the diagnosis term is she's an idiot. Um, but she's somebody who, again, somebody's the puppet master. She's saying things that she can't possibly say. Keep in mind, Annie, this is a woman who said she's got an economics degree. I've never seen it. Maybe she has one, but she says she's got one. And when asked about why the, the unemployment rate was so low under Trump, uh, she said, well, it's artificially low because people have two jobs. Now, maybe I'm an idiot. But the unemployment rate talks about the people who are employed, not how many jobs they have. Yeah. And in fact, if you have two jobs and I don't have any, that hurts the unemployment rate. It doesn't help it. So I don't know what she's talking about. But here's somebody that we're supposed to believe because she's cute and is loud and is from New York, I guess. But at the end of the day, what she said about Texas and the Green New Deal, I guess the backlash was pretty swift because all of a sudden she's in the soup kitchen doling out soup in Houston to people and, and raising money through Act Blue, by the way, yeah. which is a far left-wing organization, but raising money to help out the people of Texas. What she said about the Green New Deal is verifiably wrong. The problem in Texas was that we had any aspect of green energy, and it didn't work. Solar certainly didn't work, maybe a little bit, and, and wind again, 40% output out, out of what was expected. That hurt big time. Yeah, we're talking with Joe Pags, host of the Joe Pags Show. Let's talk real quickly about some COVID stuff. They're debating the bill on the new stimulus package, whatever that's going to be for checks for you and I, uh, for businesses, for the bailouts, whatever. But they're also trying to include that $15 an hour minimum wage that I hear even Democrats are getting some pushback on. Uh, what do you think the final bill may look like? And will we see that push for that $15 an hour minimum wage get rammed through? The push is happening now. Biden, through his spokespeople, so it probably wasn't him, said, okay, we get it. We're probably not going to get the $15 an hour thing. $15 an hour is has nothing to do with COVID. But this bill is going to be, I think, 90% non-COVID related and about 10% COVID. This is a big-time spending bill. Let's help out the transportation system in San Francisco. Let's build a bridge that Chuck Schumer wants in New York. This is not about COVID-19. This bill should be should be denied by, by the Senate. This bill should, it probably will go through the House. It won't have the, the $15 an hour thing in it, but it should not get, uh, go through the Senate. It should be stopped. They should do a bill, Andy, on one or two pages that says 
these people making this amount of money gets this check, the, this amount of money. We're going to uh, continue the, the PPP so that employers can stay connected to their employees. And we're going to make sure that small business can get back up and running. Should not be a bailout for Minneapolis. Should not be a bailout for Portland. Should not be a bailout for Seattle. Should not be a bailout for cities that couldn't control themselves um, and, and allowed people to burn down, you know, 300 businesses and more. Uh, this should be very simple. So what's the end going to look like? It's going to be a big fat pork bill that probably will be uh, rammed through, but we probably won't see the 15 an hour thing. This kind of reinforces the idea of the support of President Donald Trump, doesn't it? I mean, this is the way D.C. has always worked. They're trying to go back to business as normal, and that's what people are frustrated about. They bicker on TV about the 2 3 4% that you and I actually get involved with, and the rest of it goes to the special interests. We have no say over it, and now we're looking at trillions of dollars in debt. We're already looking at close to $2 trillion in debt for this fiscal year alone without a $2 trillion COVID bill that could be on top of this. And, and yet they're saying if we don't get this, then people are going to die in the streets. The bottom line is we can never pay back the debt that we have already. Uh, I thought Donald Trump was a great president. I want him to be the president again if he chooses to run, but he ran up the debt too. We have to stop it because you know where we're getting this money? We're borrowing it from China, who is probably our biggest enemy right now on the planet. It doesn't make any sense. The left sees an opportunity with the House and the, the simple majority in the Senate with Kamala Harris being the deciding vote um, uh, to, to ramp up spending even more. And this is, and I, and I urge anybody who's listening right now or watching right now to go and check out Cloward and Piven. This is Cloward and Piven. This is exactly what it is. This is a matter of trying to bankrupt our system and get everybody to become reliant on the on the central government. We bankrupt everything by giving everybody entitlements and welfare, and then we start all over, and then we start talking about that word equity that we keep hearing a lot about. They're <laughs> trying to bankrupt us. It's succeeding, and we really have no say. It's very odd. It's a, it's a very strange thing. Last question before we let you go. I know you're a busy guy, but let's talk about CPAC. It kicked off yesterday. It's going through this weekend. I love CPAC. It's one of the coolest events that uh, anybody could go to if they want to refuel a little bit on the conservative side. Donald Trump going to be speaking at that. Do you think he's going to announce a third party? Because there's a lot of speculation about that. I hope not. I hope he doesn't because that would just do what Ross Perot did back in 1992. Yeah. Without Ross Perot, George Herbert Walker Bush beats Bill Clinton probably 57 to 43. Pretty easily. Ross Perot got 17 or 19% of the vote. Clinton wins with 43%, if you can believe that. I think that it would splinter the party. I think that you would make it easy for the Democrats to win for generations to come. I don't think he's going to do that. I, and by the way, I was invited to go to, to Radio Row, but again, with COVID and everything, I don't do a whole lot of traveling right now. I'll go next year, possibly. But uh, the bottom line for me is I want to turn on the TV on Sunday. I want to watch him do it live. I don't want to hear him complaining about the about the election. I don't want to hear about stealing the vote. I don't want to hear about fraud. As much as th th there, there is evidence that things like that may have happened, that is not a winner for him. A winner for him is we've got to bring the party together. We've got to congeal the conservative and Republican base. We have to understand that we can win the House back in fewer than two, two years. We can win the Senate back in fewer than four years. I don't think the Senate is going to be uh, in play as much in 2022 as the House will be. But I want to hear the guy give a positive message about loving America, America first, why we should keep on doing better trade deals, why we have to be energy independent. I want to hear him say a Abortion is wrong. I want to hear him to say all the all the conservative tenets that we've heard him say for for this long. I don't want him to play the victim. I said it on my show yesterday. If the former president plays the victim, I don't think it's a winning combination for him. I truly don't. I completely agree with that. Joe Pags, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, you're a great mentor in radio. I've always listened to you. I've really enjoyed your Thank show, you, and I appreciate that very much. I'll see you again real soon. All right. Thank you so much, Andy. Keep up the great work. I'm proud of you, man. Thanks again for having us on the station.